Glory to God. Glory to God. Yesterday was Pastor Tom's birthday. And uh, Lynn posted a post on Facebook, and as I read through it, I was moved to tears. Not that, I mean, her words were wonderful, but just the memories of uh, me and Pastor Tom, all the years that we've shared, all the times that we've shared. I uh, just love, 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 love this man, love his heart, love everything about him, and I am just honored that he would come and speak on my behalf this morning here at Redeeming Love. Thank you, Pastor Matt. Amen. I'd just soon have you speak, <laughs> my favorite preacher. Good morning, Redeeming Love, and happy Mother's Day to you moms. We appreciate you being here, like Pastor Matt said. Hey, let's get uh, started. Let's just pray. I know you've been praying, but uh, I need prayer. Father God, uh, I just yield completely to you. Lord, it matters not the preparation. It's all wood, hay, and stubble without your anointing. And so, uh, Father, I just bring to you these loaves and fishes, and I just pray that you would multiply them, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I want to highlight and celebrate the courage and faith of special women in the Bible this morning. I'm not going to bring a typical Mother's Day message. Uh, and saying that, I, I also uh, want you to know that um, any special day we celebrate, uh, it carries with it a very mixed bag of emotions. For some, it's happy. For some, it's sad. Pastor Matt, Pastor Stacy, Lynn, and I, the elders, were especially aware of that. This might be a very happy day for some, uh, from, for some moms and, and some children, and it may be a very sad day. But uh, that aside, we want to really highlight this happy occasion uh, for some of the women and mothers. Uh, and today, we want to honor, along with the children, children, honor, let's hear it. Honor your parents, let's hear it. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Let's hear it. Children, say something to your moms right now. I said to Lynn, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, Happy Mother's Day. She said, you're not my child. You know, that's, my, that's my, my son's responsibility. He's in Houston, Texas now. And it's true. It's the children honor the moms for the, uh, the love and the sacrifice they made in, uh, in raising their kids. And so um, that's what I want to do this morning. Now, Pastor Matt uh, spoils you guys considerably. My PowerPoint presentation is a little bit different than Pastor Matt's. I'm a little bit old school, kind of like rotary dial compared to, uh, to uh, uh, you know, smartphones. My PowerPoint is simply I point the scripture out, you turn to it. Uh, he's helping me. He's helping me. But uh, I don't have all that uh, fancy stuff that he's got, but... Uh, I want to dive right into the Word of God. Uh, help me out. Matthew 15, 21. This is going to be our main portion of Scripture we'll start with. A little bit of background here. Jesus takes, uh, this is a, uh, one of his longest forays out. 30 miles uh, he's going north of Capernaum in Galilee. First and only time that he's uh, gone outside of Jewish territory. This is a long walk. Yeah. And um, uh, mostly because he's wanting to get away from the, the fame and the... And, and the notoriety that he's received, he wants to get away into a, into a lonely place, away from the crowd, so that he could download as much as possible 
into his disciples. So keep in mind, his attention is, is to get away, but also Jesus is going way more than 30 miles out of his way, and he's knowing he's going to come in contact with this woman that we're going to talk about here. Uh, two accounts of this uh, uh, take place, this woman who had a, a, a demon-possessed daughter, uh, as we're going to find out. Now, now, we're not just talking about uh, your, you know, listen, Lynn and I are veterans of ch child wars. We're not talking about prepubescent uh, teenagers here or hormonal teenagers. We're talking about real deal demon possession here. And, uh, and this woman has got something going on uh, and she knows that the only person that's going to be able to, to, to solve this is the Lord Jesus himself. So uh, Mark states, a little bit of background here, it, this account is in Mark, it's also in Matthew. Mark states she was a Gentile woman, a non-Jew. Um, she was uh, a non-believer, uh, and yet she had an understanding, as we're going to see in a moment, of who the Messiah was. So let's start reading here in, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. I'm reading out of the NIV. A Canaanite woman, this uh, Greek non-Jewish Gentile, came to Jesus, uh, and I'm going to give you the expanded version here. She came to Jesus pleading, the New, living, uh, the new uh, 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 living Translation says, shouting, God's Word Translation, crying out urgently, the Amplified says, shouting out, the Passion Translation says. So you get the idea that, uh, you know, this woman is beside herself in a desperate situation. And she cries, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Now, the expression son of David uh, is, a, is a Jewish expression, you know, denoting the lineage of Jesus. And so this Gentile woman has obviously heard about the Lord Jesus more than piqued her interest, and, and she's, she's not only fascinated by him, but she wants to know more about him. But what she does know about him is he's a miracle-working God. And so she comes and she cries out, Son of David. She acknowledges uh, you know, his deity. She acknowledges what she knows to acknowledge. Uh, and she's crying. My, she's shouting, my daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. But Jesus did not answer her a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. A little bit of uh, self-exaggerated sense of uh, importance here. She's crying out after us. But you, you, you see that she, this isn't much like Jesus. She is repeatedly crying out. This woman is desperate. Her only hope is Jesus, and she is not about to let him go. She continually is crying out, pleading, shouting, shouting out, crying out urgently. Finally, after a period, an indeterminate period of time goes by, he answered her but not what she wanted to hear. He said, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt 
before him. Lord, help me, she said. King James Version says the woman came and worshipped him. The New Century Version says she came and she bowed before him. Now she comes and she starts to worship Jesus. We don't know for how long she bowed down. We don't know for how long she worshipped him. But we do know that she did. And then Jesus replies, and he says something on the surface that seems offensive, but we, we need to understand the, the language of the times. He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Now, Jews called Gentiles dogs frequently. It was a derogatory term, but the usage of this word in the Greek isn't isn't dogs like domesticated violent dogs, it's puppies. Jesus said to her, uh, because in the, cust the custom of the time where puppies were allowed in the house, but once they reached a certain age, they were thrown out and they weren't allowed to come back in the house, but you cuddled the puppy, you held the puppy, you fed the puppy. And so he says this to her in, in a way that she could understand um, uh, he replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the puppies. And she comes back and she says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs, the puppies, eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her. The Amplified Version says, woman, your faith, your personal trust and confidence in my power is great. It will be done for you as you wish. King James, New King James Version says, as you desire, and her daughter was healed. The Passion Translation says, instantly set free from demonic torment from that moment. Wow. Now, what did it take? A couple of minutes to read this? I, I frequently think of this when I, when I meditate on the Word or, or if I'm going to teach. The time it took to say this is nothing compared to the amount of time that this all took place. This could have taken place over 15 minutes, 20 minutes. You know, maybe Jesus continued to, to maybe he continued to walk. And she's screaming and shouting, and, and they just continue walking. And he's ignoring her. And then he, he makes the statement, you know, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And maybe he continues to walk. Now, Jesus is bringing something out of this woman. Women were, 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 Jesus was, the, was the, the life changer for women. Women were treated as chattel back in Bible days. You have to understand that in this account, in Matthew's account, 32 women are mentioned in Matthew's account. This is the seventh of 24 unnamed women, and then eight women were named and so there's, eight, there's 32 women involved in, in what went on just in the recording of Matthew. And this one woman, the seventh of, of 24 unnamed, Jesus is doing something. He's recording something for us to learn. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word endures forever. I can't, this, is a, this isn't a parable. This actually happened. When you and I go to heaven and we, and we start to uh, meet, uh, you know, the heroes of our faith, this, we're going to meet this woman. Yeah. 
And, and she'll just humbly say, oh, yeah, you know, she'll tell us her name. You know, well, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, you know, I was the woman with the demon-possessed daughter. Oh, you're the woman that Matthew recorded? You, you, you know, oftentimes when God, God will partner with people. Oftentimes God will partner with people. And, and we don't, you know, it's, it's, it's not... It's, it's not like a secret, but it's not something you want to share. You know, it's like, God, use me. God, use me. Generally, the greater the trial, the greater the miracle. Greater, generally, the, the more you suffer, the more God comes through in a sense. And so God partners with this woman for however, I don't know how old the daughter was. She was young. We know that, but I don't know what age she was. But, you know, God allowed this to happen and then delivered this girl. And now this woman is going to be honored and favored for eternity, but she partnered with God unknowingly, and God used that situation to teach you and I like God used Job to teach you and I. Thank God the end of the thing is better than the beginning, and Job was twice as blessed. But what you go through in life isn't for nothing. Other people can read your story. They can watch your life. They can see how you live. They can draw confidence from you. Your, your, your successes are going to speak to them in volumes as well as our, our failures are going to speak in volumes. So we want to live our life in such a way that when people observe us, they'll be encouraged when they look at the outcome of our lives. So let's just drill down a little bit deeper here, okay? I've observed over the years that uh, how faith thrives and how faith dies, and, and oftentimes faith thrives or it dies in the soil of desperation. That seems to be uh, where, where faith always kind of comes out of that soil of desperation. Now, I mean, you don't have to be desperate to have faith in God. You can just say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Okay, you have faith. Yeah, I'm a Christian. But when you're going through something that's when your faith is going to thrive or that's honestly when your faith is going to die. You know, Peter shot off his mouth and he said, you know, I'll never, God, I will never, ever deny you. Never deny you. Jesus said, well, you know, Peter, <clears throat> you're not going to deny me once, but you're going to deny me three times. Never, Lord, never, never. No, you will. But Jesus said, nevertheless, I've prayed that your faith fail not. See, in that soil where Peter was desperate uh, for his life, because to be identified with Jesus meant you could lose your life, in that soil of desperation, Peter's faith started to die. But Jesus said, I'm going to pray that your faith fails not. I'm going to pray that your faith doesn't die. Be careful, church. Sometimes something happens, a sudden occurrence where, where a trial strikes, and, uh, and, and uh, I've just found that if over the years, you, if you've enriched the soil of your heart, your faith is going to thrive. Over the years, you want to just replenish the soil, replenish the soil, feed the soil of your heart. Out of your heart, you know, what, what's in your heart comes out of your mouth. You can tell a mature Christian when you talk to them, you know, how you doing? You know, not, not that fake Christian stuff. Good. Praise God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
you, you, you know, you can observe a Christian going through a difficult time. How are you doing? Yeah, good, good, you know. And I'm hanging on by my teeth. No, God's good, you know, we're going to get through this. You, there's just that quiet confidence built on years of observing how God has is, is just carried you every step of the way. So let's, let's just drill down a little bit deeper here. I'm going to try to get you out here by three. So um, I don't practice. Um, I don't preach that much, so you've got to bear with me. So I want to ask you some questions. I want to get you thinking. Can you identify with this woman at all? And again, I'm not talking about, you know, okay, my kid acts like that kid. I'm not talking about that. I mean, I mean uh, you know, uh, can you identify with this person? her circumstances, her situation, her desperation. Can you identify with, with desperation? The definition of desperation is having an urgent need or desire where the situation or circumstances leave little or no hope. You might find yourself in a very dangerous situation. Could be a, a health uh, challenge. Could be a family challenge, a child challenge, a job challenge, a money challenge where situations get def, uh, desperate. You just find yourself at some point in your life where, where the situation is just urgent and dire. You can identify with this woman. I'm sure we all can. And so we're going to go back into Matthew's uh, recording of this, this live story and uh, uh, see if we can pull some real live applications out of this, okay? So I boil this down into Matthew 15, 21 through 28, and I'm, four things pop out at me. Four things do. Kind of like, uh, is, has anybody ever played Bananagrams? Yeah, Lynn got me into playing this. I hate games. hate games. But even worse than that, I hate when she beats me all the time and then just so smug and humiliates me. Like, oh, well, I thought that would have been a little more of a challenge. And so as much as I hate those things, I said, by God, I'm tired of getting my butt whipped every time. And so I just throw those things out on the table, and we go at it. Now, now I'm beating her. I'm beating her. I can't beat Matthew. That's impossible. But, I, but I, I'm beating Lynn. And so if you, if you don't know what bananagrams are, they're little blocks, and they got letters on them. And so, you know, you, you get 21 of them, and, and you throw them out, and she'll, like in a second, she'll go, oh, I see the word there, anti-disestablishmentarianism. It's like, <laughs> you know, and so like five minutes later, I got like B, of, you know, you, and she's like, boom, she got a 21-word letter out there like, oh, I see that. You don't see that? You didn't see that? I saw that immediately. It's not even done turning them over, right? And so... But I'm like that with the word here, honey. So anyway, I see four things that pop out. Four things that pop out of this, okay? Number one, she cried out. Okay, obvious. The woman cried out. Number two, she persisted yep. when she heard not a word. Yep. Number three, she worshiped. Yep. And number four, she reasoned. Yeah. She reasoned. Four things I want you to take away. Say, she cried out. Cried out. She persisted. She worshiped, she worshiped, and she reasoned. she reasoned. Okay, so now this is what we want to drill down. We want to, get, we want to understand a couple of things here. She cried out, okay? Crying out is a form of desperation. It's a, it, it's, it's a prayer 
that is, is an urgent pleading. Now, we're, we're talking about, imagine, if you will, you're walking through the woods uh, and, uh, you know, kind of like we were last night and, and what you perceive as a little boggy, you know, it's actually quicksand. And you start to sink quickly, okay? And, and you're going down. You're sinking quickly in quicksand. You know, if you're sinking in quicksand, you're not going to go, uh, uh, help. You're going to be screaming, help, right? A little bit different than if your ice cream is dripping on your hand and you're saying, oh, would you give me a napkin, please? You know, it's a lot more urgent. The more desperate the situation, the more urgent the plea comes. And so when someone cries out, it's a cry of desperation. Psalm 34, 6 says this. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, um, uh, 34, uh, I cried out to the Lord... And he heard me, bringing his miracle deliverance when I needed it most. A little note here, David probably wrote this psalm at the lowest point in his life. He was alone. He had to part, he had to part from Jonathan, his dearest friend. He's being chased by Saul and his paid assassins. And here we find that he ran into the cave of Adullam, meaning their prey. And yet the beautiful sounds of praise were heard echoing in his cavern. This is when he wrote this psalm, most likely. I cried out to the Lord, and he heard me. It's a cry of deliverance. This is important for us to know. When we cry out is generally when God comes to the scene. But this is an important... I look at these, these uh, four points as really kind of four phases. The crying out phase is, is more of the emotional phase or the... We're not really listening. <laughs> we're crying out. We're not listening. But we got to get it out. God made us uh, uh, emotional creatures. I mean, I've, I've... You know, Lynn and I have been married 30 years and I've... I've heard of people having arguments, and generally, you know, when, they, when, they're, when, they, when they're shouting at one another, they're really not listening. I mean, I, that's what I'm told. I haven't really experienced that ourselves in 30 years, but because uh, we never argue. We always have passionate discussions. But um, you're, when you're yelling, you're not listening. And when you're in a desperate situation and you're crying out to God, it's generally... You're, you're kind of self-absorbed, and it's like, God, you know, where are you? God, you know, don't you care that we're perishing like the disciples said? Well, uh, what are you, you're asleep. You don't care that we're perishing? That's part of the crying out phase, okay? And so, uh, and yet God doesn't answer you sometimes in that crying out phase because God, our Heavenly Father, is a lot like a parent. You know, when your kids are hysterical, you're trying to... Tommy, uh, calm down now. C calm down. And more than you say calm down has the opposite effect. You know, he's God is getting us to a place where we're going to get a little bit quiet here. Okay, but while you're crying out, it's still important when God doesn't tell you what you want to hear or probably more often than not, you don't hear anything when you're crying out. You continue to persist. Now look at <clears throat> Luke 18.1. This is a little, this is interesting. Um, this, it's interesting that God uses a woman to teach a man how to pray, you know, because uh, the Bible says in Luke 18, 1, that men ought always to pray and never lose heart. Now, I know that oftentimes men is used in the universal sense of people, but I still think it's funny. 
And since it's Mother's Day, I'll throw you a bone. How God taught, used a woman to teach a man how to pray. I thought that was pretty clever. Anyway, Luke 18.1, the Passion Translation. Uh, here we see that uh, he ignored her pleas for quite some time, but she, ke she kept asking. Eventually, he said to himself, this widow keeps annoying me, demanding her rights, and I'm tired of listening to her. Even though I'm not a religious man and I don't care about the opinions of others, I'll get her off my back by answering her claims for justice, and I'll rule in her favor. Then she'll leave me alone. One day Jesus taught the apostles to keep praying and never stop or lose heart. Keep praying and never stop or lose heart. He shared with them this illustration. In a certain town, there was a judge, a thick-skinned and godless man who had no fear of others' opinions. And in the same town, there was a poor widow who kept pleading with the judge, grant me justice and protect me from my oppressor. Jesus continued, did you hear what the godless judge said that he would answer her persistent request? Don't you know that God, the true judge, will grant justice to all his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he pour out his spirit upon them? He will not delay to answer you and give you what you ask for. God will give swift justice to those who don't give up. So be ever praying, ever expecting in the same way as this widow. Even so, when the Son of Man comes, will he find this kind of faith on earth? Men are always to pray and never lose heart. And that's what persistent prayer is all about. We don't wear God out until he says, okay, okay, okay. It's not a matter of wearing God out. It's a matter of continuing to pray to the next phase. And that's the worship phase. So this woman, she cries out. She persists. God doesn't answer her anything. In fact, he tells her what she doesn't want to hear. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then we find that this woman comes and she worships God. Now, I want to tell you that this is, bar none, the most critical phase when you find yourself in a place of desperation. Because as I said earlier, when you're crying out, you're not listening. But when you start to worship, that's when God starts to calm you down a little bit. And the more you draw closer to God and the more you come into that secret place and the more you come into the presence of God, the more you experience the peace of God. And in that worship, and in that worship phase, when you're worshiping God, that's when God either speaks or imparts to you His peace, His joy, and His knowing. That's where you start to discover what God's going to do is in that worship phase. You might be in a situation where a loved one is ill and, and they may be at the point of death and, you're, death, death and you're crying out in desperation. Oh God, don't let them pass. Oh God, don't let them pass. But in that worship phase, that's where the resignation comes. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And that's when God speaks to you and gives you peace as to what may happen or may not happen. That worship phase is absolutely critical. Worship quiets the crying out. Worship shifts the focus from me 
to thee. Yeah. Uh, at not, worship shifts the focus to not my will, but your will be done. Worship gets you away from, I want meat. I want meat. I want meat. And God says, you want meat? I'll give you meat till you vomit it out of your nostrils. I don't want what I want at the expense of what God wants for me. I want the will of God. And in that worship phase is when the grace of God comes for you to accept the will of God. But if you never get into that worship phase, it's really going to be about, I want, I want, I want. You got to get into that worship phase. That's when God does so much for you and I. That's when He just imparts to us peace, confidence, patience, wisdom, knowledge, a confidence that it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. That's when God starts to whisper to you look, this may not go down the way you want, but it's going to be good nonetheless. Or that's when God may download something into you where the gift of faith gets dropped into you and you'll say, no, I will not be denied because of what God dropped into you. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get to that quiet place. You have to get to that quiet place. And grace will get you there. I'm not talking about something that is, is you know, uh, uh, self-determination and perseverance and fortitude. You know, we're not talking about, uh, you know, going through marine boot camp and you better, you know, you got to grit it out and bear it out and you're going to get through it. No, we're talking about this is something, you know, this is life. Yeah, I mean, I've prayed for friends. You've probably all have experienced this. I've prayed for friends who've gone through similar situations that I've gone through, and God answered their prayers. I'm 35 years waiting for God to answer a certain thing for me. But God's answered them, and I'm still waiting. But I'm waiting with confidence knowing that God's going to do it, not out of sheer determination, because I've got a, I have assurance and peace from God that He's going to do it. And you know what? If he, if he were to answer my prayer at the end of my life, thank God for eternity. I could just enjoy that for eternity. But when you get into that quiet place, that's when God speaks to you. Yeah. That's when God speaks to you. And I believe that's what enabled this dear woman. Are you timing me? Have I been preaching 27 minutes? This is going to be a record here. Glory to God, I may wrap this thing up. You guys might get out of here before three. Pretty tricky, that clock back there. Anyway, um, this is where you might get into this next phase, and I hope you all get into this phase. She reasoned with God. Now, some people think reasoning with God is like blasphemy. You, know, you can't reason with God. Oh, you can't? Oh, you, you can't really? Tell Abraham that. Read Genesis 18. Tell Abraham you can't reason with him. I'm just going to highlight this to you. Genesis 18, 1, then the Lord appeared to Abraham. Okay, so this is beyond a shadow of a doubt, the Lord appeared to Abraham. Verse 17, the Lord says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Verse 20 says, the, Jesus, uh, the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, so... Abraham knows these guys are toast. But he also knows there's some righteous people there. So Abraham came near and he said, would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? And, and, he, you know, and he waxes a little more eloquent. And, and so then uh, Abraham says, suppose there were 50 righteous. 
in the city. Would you destroy it? Well, the Lord said, well, if I find 50 in the city, I'll spare all the place for their sakes. He's lying through his teeth. He knows there's no 50 people in there. Then he says in verse 28, how about 45? The Lord says the same thing. Well, I'll spare it all. He goes, uh, 40? In verse 29, drops down to 30 in verse 30. Drops down to 20 righteous people in verse 31. And in verse 32, he comes clean. He says, what if there's 10? What if there's 10 in the city? And the Lord says, well, I will not destroy it, destroy it for the sake of 10 righteous. The friend of God reasoned with him. You can reason with God when you're praying. You can reason with God when you're praying. Isaiah, I think it's in chapter 1, says, come, let us reason together. Let's reason together about this. You know, another one, another translation says, let's argue this out. You can talk to God. Lord, I, I you know, I really, uh, I, I'm really believing you for a house. I'd like a house. Oh, you'd like a house, would you? Yeah, well, you're broke. How are you going to afford a mortgage payment? Well, I don't know. You're going to prosper me. How am I going to prosper you? You're lazy. Well, I believe you're going to give me strength to work. Work. You hate work. You can start to reason with God, and God will talk with you. And, and in that place of worship, you know, the, <laughs> in that place of worship, I, I love what, what the psalm says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Yeah. When, when you're in that place and, and you start to ask God to search, you, search your heart, let me see if I can read you that scripture. Uh, when you ask God to search your heart, he'll show you what's offensive to you, what's offensive to him. Then you start to reason together, and you start to hear together, and then God gives you grace to change, grace to change, grace to change. If you want your situation, if you're desperate, and you want things to change, persist, get into that place of worship, and we're talking about the fourth thing here, begin to reason reverently and respectfully with the Lord. Say, now listen, God, this is what I, I really want this. I just want to tell you, I really, really want this. And Jesus is called the Lord. Remember where he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't obey me? So if you really want this, but see, I really want to know what you think about what I want. I remember when I, when I was single, and I, and, I, and I said, look, God, you know, I'll be single as long as you want me to, but I'd like to be married. Well, of course, he knew I was lying. I didn't want to be single. And I said, but God, I'm, I, now he just dropped it in me. I, I'm not going to date because I don't want to deal with that nonsense. And then while I was worshiping the Lord, because, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't lonely, but I was alone. I, I, I enjoy life. With Lynn, she's not only my wife, but my best friend. I, I enjoy life with Lynn. Uh, but Lynn wasn't in the picture back then. And so, but I wanted someone like her. And so I said, well, I'm willing to wait until I can get someone like her. And so as I was reasoning with God over the years, God dropped into my heart, okay, you know, God's a father to the fatherless. I'm fatherless. In days of old, you used to arrange marriages, so... I'm, I'm going to ask you to arrange a marriage for me. And he did. And this year we celebrate 30 of the best years of Lynn's life. I'm telling you. It's, 
God answered her prayers. It's incredible. Ah, you heard that so often, but there's a few new people in here. Anyway, um, it's during those times you can't reason with God unless you get quiet and worship. Because if you don't come into that worship phase, then you're not reasoning, you're demanding. And would it, would it, how, I don't know how you were when your kids were demanding, but I know how I was. I was like, you want that? You'll never get that. You're never going to get that because you can ask, but don't demand. And, and uh, I got this thing about entitlement, but we won't go there. I'm just saying, you know, you're my child and I want to bless you, but don't demand. And, and we're children of God. We don't have to demand anything. Some people say, well, you know, faith demands its rights. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Yeah, have a little bit more respect for the God of the universe. Yeah. Petition him respectfully, but don't demand. Yeah. Well, you said in your word. Yeah, I get that. But you know what? Let's, just, let's get the right attitude here. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Show me, the, the Passion Translation says, examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. The New Living Translation says, point out anything in me that offends you. So these four phases are so very, very important. And I, and I want to, you know, uh, I want to appeal to, to everyone, not just moms, men, women, and children. I'm sure we can all identify with a desperate situation. And, and if you look back in your life as to when you were desperate and you unknowingly kind of went through these four steps and you see how God came through for you, it just gives you encouragement to say, you know, he did this for me, and he did that for me, and he did that for me. Surely God will do this for me. It's amazing. One of Lynn's, uh, 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 one of Lynn's life verses is Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And so often, her and I do that together. We, we acknowledge God. Yeah. I'll say, you remember when God did this for us? Oh, yeah. She'll go, you remember when God did this for us? Oh, yeah. Hey, you remember when God did this for us? Oh, yeah. Well, won't he do it for us again? If you want to encourage one another, speak often about what God has done for you. And how God has come through for you. Speak often to one another. You know, the Bible says, as you see the day of the Lord's return drawing near, encourage one another all the more. Well, you don't want to text me because I'm an encouraging gift. I mean, I just send you more emojis than than Janice Gribben can send. Uh, Hope you're listening there, Janice. A little shout out to you. 30 emojis. No, I send pictures. I don't send emojis. But we need to encourage one another all the more as we see the day drawing nigh. Now, I want to leave you with this, this uh, one, um, one portion of Scripture, Psalm 34, 1. This is out of the Passion Translation. Four things I'm sure you're going to do because you're going to remember the, 
title of the sermon that I never gave you. I saved this for the last. The title of this morning's message is Desperate Circumstances Demand Desperate Faith. So remember that, will you? Desperate circumstances demand desperate faith. Now, I know you're going to remember that because you will find yourself in a desperate situation. And in order to get out of that desperate situation, you have to have desperate faith. And, and how you get desperate faith is you remember the four methods to get desperate, desperate faith. You cry out. What else do you do? You persist. What else do you do? You worship, and then you reason. And Jesus will do for you what he did for this one woman. Then Jesus answered her, woman, your faith is great. Only two times in the Bible did Jesus remark and, and actually praise or compliment only two people in the entire Bible, great is your faith. This non-Jewish woman, he said, you have great faith. And the centurion servant who said, no, 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 you don't even need to come to my house. Just say the word. I've got 100 men under my command. They do everything I tell them to do. If I say jump, they jump. You don't have to come to my house. You just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, I've not found faith as great as, as, great as this is in all of Israel. We're going to meet these two people in heaven. These people that have great faith. So if you want God to look down and say, Pastor Matt and Pastor Stacy have great faith. Angelia has great faith. Ariana has great faith. Jordan's got great faith. He got married last night. Jordan's got great faith. He's got great favor with the Lord. He married quite a gal. And uh, there are things that you, you're going to want to do to get that kind of great faith. Psalm 34.1, the Passion Translation. Lord, I'm bursting with joy over what you've done for me. Yeah. Pastor Matt's life verse, count it all joy when you encounter various trials. You can count it all joy knowing that your faith, that desperate faith that you find yourself in when you fall into trials is going to get you delivered from the situation. Lord, I'm bursting with joy over what you've done for me. My lips are full of perpetual praise. I'm boasting of you in all your works. So let all who are discouraged or desperate take heart. Join me, everyone. Let's praise the Lord together. Let's make him famous. Let's make his name glorious to all. Listen to my testimony. I cried to God in my distress and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. <clears throat> Gaze upon him. Join your life with his. And joy will come. Your faces will glisten with glory. You'll never wear that shame face again. When I had nothing desperate and defeated, I cried out to the Lord. And he heard me. Bringing his miracle deliverance when I needed it the most. The angel of Yahweh stooped down to listen as I prayed, encircling me, empowering me, and showing me how to escape. He will do this for everyone who fears God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Good Pastor Matt.
and Pastor Tom. Awesome, awesome, awesome message.